Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line. Hi, this is Deborah Butler, and thanks for joining me for People Know Stuff. And today I have Mickey Desai with me. Now, Mickey knows stuff about cars. And he also knows stuff about podcasts because Mickey is really my podcast go-to expert. He's been my podcast mentor. Thanks, Mickey. I'm happy to do it. Thanks, Deborah. Um, so, and Mickey actually has several different podcasts, but the one he loves is a podcast called The Thing About Cars. The Thing About Cars. And so I thought, well, who better to talk about stuff he knows than Mickey? talking about the thing about cars. So Mickey, why don't you share stuff you know about cars? Um, This is a hard thing, surprisingly, to talk about because I like cars. Um, I like playing with them. I like driving them. I like fixing them. I like souping them up, modifying them. I think cars are just cool. They're one of those things that's both an art form and a useful tool for just living life and moving your life forward in some direction. I think they're I think they have an archetypal importance when it comes to our own psychologies because, you know, in, in, in prior to cars, it was your horse. Your horse was your means of conveyance or, and now we have cars and then it'll be something else. Like the culture is currently changing around cars, but that's never here or there. I like cars. Do I know a lot about them? I think I know a lot about cars. Uh, I know enough to get myself into serious trouble because if you wanted me to open up your car and fix it, I'm not sure I could do that. Right. <laughs> so your knowledge, of course, definitely isn't mechanical. It's like you say, more art form, more admiration for advancements. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a certain sense of freedom that comes along with driving. And um, that's the thing that I really like. I like just driving. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's in the, with the podcast, we, we do the thing about cars. I jokingly say that it's, uh, it's about nothing in particular, as long as it has something to do with cars. So I, I referred to it as about the Jerry Seinfeld of car podcasts. Anything goes, as long as it has something with cars, we talk about advancements. We talk about politics, at least uh, politics as they relate to the car make industry. You know, we, we never sit there and bash one party or other. That's not us, but we will say things like regulations are requiring car makers to produce a line of cars with a lower carbon footprint and the EPA is mandating that or something. We, we may talk about those kinds. Do you go and read up about things like electric cars? Yeah. So you're, so what is the stuff you know about say electric cars? They, they're rather divisive. Really divisive. You know, there's, there's two big uh, sticking points, I think for, for, for at least for me, um, clearly, there are a lot of people in the country who are going EV already, and they love their decision to do that. More power to them, no pun intended. Um, but uh, <laughs> but um, but there's two problems with EVs in general, at least for me being able to replace my car with an electronic vehicle. One is charging infrastructure. Sure. Uh, and charging infrastructure and battery technology, I think, go hand in hand. You know, we're coming up with cars that get greater and greater range, but the fact of the matter is gas still beats that for sheer versatility. And, um, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to plan my route to the millimeter to understand where my chargers are. If I have a gas meal. What do you think about hybrids? 
I think they're great. I think that um, I think that more people should drive them, especially for inner city driving. Um, they're a great way to save on gas expenses anyway, sure. But the trouble that I was going to get at when the, the other sticking point for EVs is related to the notion that EVs still create as much pollution as gas cars do currently. And the reason that is, is because they're so heavy that they create more particulate matter. They run through tires significantly faster than their gasoline counterparts because of the weight of the battery, the weight of the motor, all that in there. Uh, Consumer Reports is finding that in some cases, people who drive electronic vehicles have to replace their tires 30 or 40% more quickly. Well, what about this too with EVs? You know, we still have to produce electricity and how does that impact? the environment. And I'm I'm not asking like as a rhetorical question and I know the answer. What mm-hmm. do you what, what do you know? I know that producing electricity for consumption in vehicles is still probably cleaner than burning gas for the same amount. Yes, producing electricity does create some pollution or it comes with side effects if you're nuclear or something like that. But I still think I still think it's cheaper to do and it's probably and, and it's still more environmentally sound than burning. Okay. Yeah. All right. But when you factor in the whole tires thing and how much rubber we're burning through, because making tires is not a clean process. Right. Disposing of tires is a very dirty process. Uh, so if you're creating a set of vehicles that burn through tires much more quickly than gas burning vehicles, uh, you know, we have to weigh that into the equation. Is it worth it? Can we improve tire technology while we're improving battery technology, I, I hope the answers are yes, but I haven't seen that. You know, another thing I've thought about in considering a hybrid and also it goes with the EVs, batteries and what we're what we need to do to get the materials to create the batteries and then how do we dispose of them? Yeah, it's exactly right. But that's what I mean. Battery technology needs to improve. I think we need batteries that are more environmentally friendly and hold charges longer. Um, and we need to develop cars where it's easy to replace those batteries and don't require a ton of servicing to get a battery pack in and out. Tesla, I think, was one of the first to do that, to make a, a car where you could rapid change a battery. And uh, and I hope that other people adopt that that same engineering. There's a principle I'm looking for. I can't but in any case, I hope other people still do that. Um, so things need to change. And, you know, we it's it's like building Frankenstein. We can build the monster, but once you set it loose, you can't bring it back. <laughs> so once you build the car, that's great. But now, like you say, you have to take a look at how we build those batteries. Where does lithium come from? Is it mined in a safe and friendly way, et cetera, et cetera? All those things start to count. Yeah, and all come out of, as you said, the fundamental function mm-hmm. of a car, which is moving us around. And so your love of cars and just the design, but the function. Mm-hmm. And tell me about how you use your car. Oh my gosh, I abuse this current car. It's um, it's a Honda Accord. It's a 2005 Honda Accord. I got it for cheap from my sister. And so for a man who loves cars, you've got nothing flashy. Nothing flashy. Uh, that will change with the next car. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to weigh out my options for what the next car will be. I, I desperately want something with um, a ton of power and an engine that when you look at it, makes people scream. I want to... Uh, <laughs> you want a muscle car. I want a muscle car. I do. I want a muscle car. And what, um, what keeps you from a muscle car? Money, for the most part. Yeah. 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 The ones I want are terribly expensive, but we're, we'll see. I might be able to work something. But uh, but for this appliance, I mean, that's what a Honda Accord is. It's an appliance. It's not a it's not a pure driving machine. It's not meant to, in my mind, it's not meant to evoke a passionate driving response. 
um, in comparison to a Mazda I recently had, which was just a Mazda 6. But man, somehow that thing was fun to drive. And this Honda is not fun to drive at all. So it just depends upon the car and it depends upon the driver, I suppose. So you're willing to endure a car that isn't fun to drive and isn't a piece of art because you're a practical Mm -hmm. person. But the stuff that you know about cars comes from a passion for just observing them and talking about them and being fascinated by the evolution. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, what, what I've noticed is that very nearly everybody has a car story to tell. Something relating to cars will stick in their minds as a car story to tell. What's a car story that stands out for you? Oh, uh, I don't know that I can mention that on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's many there, there, you know, even growing up, what it meant to learn to drive a stick. And, uh, you know, Ben can tell you about his memories and his cars, what his father drove, uh, what my father drove, um, you know, going to the park in that car, packing up picnics and heading out for vacations, and sitting in the backseat, trying to be well-behaved next to my sister. Uh, and that was a shit. What was that? It was a Chevrolet Malibu Classic back from 1980s. Um, just, you know, things like that. I mean, they, stories can be just that generic or just way more personal in terms of, you know, that date you went out on and what happened when you parked on Lover's Leap. And, you know, I, I don't know. I don't need to know all the But uh, the car stories can be that specific. Um, I will probably at some point tell you about the time that I actually got all four wheels of my car off the ground for the first time. Um, that was fun. Um, so, yeah, I, this Honda Civic, I'm sorry, this Honda Accord, I'm not, I'm not enamored of this car. No, I don't think so. So it does not get a whole lot of love from me, which I feel a little guilty about because I'm, I'm known for, for really babying my cars and taking care of them. This one, I'm just doing the bare minimum on the road. Are you an advocate for um, changing out cars and buying new cars uh, every three years? No, or absolutely not. How come? Well, I mean, if, especially if you buy a new car, it just doesn't make financial sense to buy a car that has... Uh, built-in depreciation. Every time you drive a new car off the lot, you're losing like a thousand or a couple thousand dollars just automatically based upon uh, you know depreciation. There's actually a word for that. It's a drive-out penalty or something because your car immediately loses value. As as so you, you are not a new car advocate? Not really. I mean, it depends on who you are and how you drive and what you want your car for. Are there some people who probably need to get a new, a new car instead of... Instead of um, Shopping for a used one, yeah, there are probably some people out there who are better doing that. But by and large, I think, um, you know, save your money, be financially responsible, and you don't have to buy a new car. And even if you choose to do that, I certainly wouldn't do it every five or three years. I wouldn't do it even every five years. Um, you know, I, I'm a proponent of driving a car until it can't get up and go anymore. Um, so. so you're you're somebody who uh, knows stuff about cars, but one of your core values, it sounds like, is economy. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and again, it just depends on who you are and why you want a car. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that you, in this day and age, especially for the average person, you have to have some uh, conservative eye on your own wallet, right? And so, you know, don't there there are plenty of ways to go broke. By making the wrong decision around a car. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, what about the ability to order up a car mm-hmm. on the internet mm-hmm. and have them just pull it out of a glass elevator <laughs> and uh, that, show up at your house with it? Yeah. What do you know about that? I Not not a lot. Um, I, and the, the process is sort of mind-boggling. And I understand 
in theory, how the whole thing works in their business model. But having known someone who worked in a, um, I don't know if I can mention them um, after I tell you this, this bit of data, but someone worked for one of those major entities. Um, I think they were the people who invented the car elevator, the car vending machine. That's what they call it, the car vending machine. Right. So uh, that company, she said she would never buy a car from that company based on what she saw behind it because they would get used cars from all kinds of people that had not been taken care of, that had, you know, and they just, the company just, again, does a certain amount of bare minimum work to make the car look good, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to last you another five to 10 years. So, so behind the scenes, they're, as soon as they get the next car, they just shove it in the vending machine. They don't really uh, they'll, do they'll, quality check. Yeah, no, they'll put it through some basic steps or clean it, they'll wash it. Uh, in her case, they were doing body work. So they'll fix body work and they'll paint the car. Um, but, you know, apart from that, you know, she says she saw people taking shortcuts and I was glad to hear her say that. It made me think twice about using one of those services for car buying. Well, you know, I guess we could close on that note because mm-hmm. you're speaking to the part of the car business that everyone feels uncomfortable with. And that is kind of the the tricksterism, the, mm-hmm. the fast talking, the kind of, you know, stereotype. Of of cars being yep, you getting real tricked. The fast sell and all that business. Yeah, I hate that. Um, when they, when they when these entities first came out, like when CarMax big box shopping came out, and they said we have a no haggling policy. All that meant was they're going to charge you what they want to charge you, and if you don't like it, you don't have to go there. That's all no haggling means to me. And there's really nothing wrong with that. On the one hand, if they want to set their prices and not have any haggling about it, then that's fine. If you're a fan of that, then go. But uh, but if you know if you like to look at your cars and make the best deal you can, then you know I don't know I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of the haggling process for someone. Yeah, yeah, that's a, I am too. Yeah, and it, maybe it's a dying art. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But, well, what else? What else do you want to end with? Because uh, we've just been all over the map. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if if someone is looking for a new car um, or even a used one, I you know I I. I I would point to Consumer Reports. Yeah, Consumer Reports, I think, has the best, most unbiased rankings of cars across all different classes. So if you're looking for a hybrid, I would literally go to Consumer Reports and take a look at their top five and see what it is that separates those scores from each other. Because sometimes, you know, a car may get a 95 and the next one below it gets a 94. And the only thing that 94 has any different is where the cup holders are, which we may not care um, so it may be an insignificant change between number one and number two in that spot. So I take a look at the top five and I weigh my choices out that way. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm a big proponent of consumer reports for decisions like that. And I haven't checked recently, but they used to actually also uh, publish a paragraph or two about used car recommendations. So not just new car recommendations, but used car recommendations. They don't rate used cars the same way they rate new cars, but um but they will say, you know, these this type of car from this kind of era seems to be holding up okay. And so there's some information to be learned there from consumer reports about used cars as well. Um, so I, I, if people are looking for, you know, that kind of thing, consumer reports not a bad place to start. Well, I hope you uh, have enjoyed joining my podcast and sharing stuff you know about cars. And like I said, it's pretty. Uh, we did a pretty. Big dive. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's been fun. Thank you for having me, Deborah. This is always fun. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you. 
thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line. Thank you.